Thank you for joining Geezers of Gear, episode 108. Today's podcast is brought to you by Elation Professional. Elation continues to wish everyone in the industry good health and strength in these trying times, and the company looks forward to continuing to work together within this community to help build a brighter future. Elation has been open and serving its customers throughout the crisis, working on a reduced Monday through Thursday schedule. The company has also stayed connected with a series of online webinars. The Elation Hour online broadcast, which features guest LDs sharing their techniques along with more behind-the-products discussions from Elation, Obsidian, and Magmatic product specialists, airs live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Obsidian Control Systems has been running a series of free weekly training sessions as well. For details and registration, please visit Elation's website events page, Facebook events page, or the Obsidian Controls training webpage. Together, we will weather this storm and come out stronger on the other side. Hello there, and welcome back to Geezers of Gear, episode number 108. And so, a bit of a somber moment. Uh, This week, I heard of the passing of uh, an icon, uh, especially on Broadway, Uh, certainly someone I don't think has ever, you know, been surpassed on Broadway. Certainly very difficult guy to beat in Broadway lighting and someone who has just really been synonymous with Broadway lighting for as long as I've been in the industry anyways. Uh, Of course, I'm talking about Darren Deverna, whose family started Four Star and, uh, you know, just has been such a product of Broadway. And, uh, you know, again, Darren's just... Uh, he was he was from his his style, his attire, his dress, to um, just his persona, his larger than life, just here I am kind of style in everything. Uh, you know his fearless ability to just kind of do anything, get anyone on the phone. He proved it to me so many times. His his willingness. You know, I met Darren when I had just started with Martin, not long after I had started with Martin, and Darren kind of put his arm around me and said. Hey kid, come with me. I'll show you how to do this. And, uh, and he did, you know, he kind of taught me the ropes a bit on Broadway. Not that I was ever really tied into Broadway, but I did a few shows and they were all courtesy of Darren and his education and his kindness in sharing his time and, and energy with me. And, um, so yeah, I just, uh, you know, without sounding too cheesy, I think the lights on Broadway are that much dimmer this week and uh, very sad to hear of his passing. Uh, I knew he was sick, but I didn't know how sick, I guess. So yeah, uh, he will be missed. I don't think they make him like Darren Deverna anymore, and uh, I don't know who's going to take his place on Broadway, but uh, no one that I can think of. So 
my old friend. Uh, see you on the other side, I guess. And so with that, um, to change the mood a bit is one of the funniest guys I think I've ever known in this business. And just, you know, a complete character, a hilarious guy, one of the kindest, nicest guys, a very smart guy who's built a great business. And uh, that's Idis Gambadis from Mainlight. And so I'll never forget the very first time I met Idis. I talked about it this week on, on the happy hour that we did. Uh, Craig Burroughs, I was traveling for my very first time with high-end systems. This would have been in like 1997, I guess. And um, Craig Burroughs introduced me to Idis, took me into his shop. And, uh, you know, we hung out in the shop for a few minutes. And it was when Craig said one of the funniest things I had heard him say at that point where Idis uh, had mentioned the Nebula smoke machine disaster or uh, uh, hazer disaster that had come out of high end. And uh, Craig looked Idis straight in the eye and said, you know, even even the best of us kick out a turd every once in a while. And I just cracked up laughing. I couldn't believe he was saying this to one of their larger customers at the time. So, um, but that just kind of told me the kind of guy Idis was. He laughed as well. And uh, we had a very funny golf outing. And I think if you know Idis, you know that he's uh, suffered with Tourette's. He doesn't suffer with it, but he has Tourette's. And uh, so we played golf. And I think Idis faked his Tourette's that day. And he's never really admitted it, but I'm pretty sure that he faked it because every time I took a backswing, he'd make this really loud noise and uh, just, you know, I almost missed the ball and probably did miss the ball a couple of times. And I kept looking at Craig going, what's the deal with this dude? And, uh, you know, just a hilarious story. So um, one of my favorite guys in the business, just a really, really great guy, Idis Gimbatis. Oh, shoot. Oh, my God. What are you saying? Nothing. <laughs> Idis. Good morning. Yes, Marcel. Idis. Is this Idis? My Major Siri. Tom? My Siri calls you Idis. Idis. Gimbutas or something like that. Well, that's that's pretty nice to what most people usually call me. So yeah. I'll take it. What did you get called yeah. in school? Um, <laughs> for real? Because I'll tell you what mine was. Um, mine, mine was fart brain. Well, fart brain. Marcel, uh, fart I'll brain. Say. All right. Well, since you're being so open. Yeah. Um, um, it was a uh, square head. <laughs> uh, square head was one because I, I come from the Baltic States. Yes. So the back of our skull is flat. So, yes. you know, but I also got for some reason, uh, uh, Midas muffler. Uh, I have no idea why. I don't get that one. Me either. I guess oh, Midas, Idis. Idis, yeah. You know, yeah. You know. What do they call that in England? They call that uh, Cockney or something when all those words rhyme? Is that called Cockney? I don't know. Well, you know, as we know, yeah. I haven't gotten around much. Yes. So you, yes. you got you to gotta tell me what they might say in Jersey or something. You're allergic to airplanes. Well, I'm not I'm not allergic to them, but I I certainly uh, didn't like them for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you've you've gotten over that recently, right? Or not so recently, I guess. Well, more than recently, but yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, but however, I wasn't um, I wasn't afraid of flying for the reason that you would think I was afraid. What? 
I mean, yes, uh, my brain is, is wired to overanalyze and overthink. And I notice everything and anything. Yeah. So it's a good thing and a curse at the same time. So <clears throat> if I hear a noise that I think is not a noise that you should hear, you know, I'm like my brain's on overtime thinking like, okay, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Really? So when I'm on a plane with so many moving parts and so many probabilities, you know, needless to say, yeah, I'm a nervous guy. You're putting them uh, all together. Well, if this yeah, happens, then this happens, then this happens, and then this is going to happen, yeah. and then we're going to crash. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, no, I actually had PAT. What's that? That's right. It's, uh, it's, it's an abbreviation for a uh, medical term that I don't even know the name for, but yeah. basically, it would take your, uh, your heartbeat from normal, up around, depending on how relaxed you are, yeah. anywhere from 65 to 85, to about 200 beats a minute. Holy shit. A like your resting heart rate? <laughs> like oh, your yeah. normal no, heart just, rate? You're not running or anything. Yeah, yeah, it would just it would just go from Holy shit. idle to a race car and super fast. And um, I didn't even know what it was, and I had it for a, a long time in my life. But if you would pat me on the back or if there were any bumps, yeah, uh, it would trigger it. So when I got in, when I was doing business trips or something and, and somebody was saying like, okay, we got to take a ride and it'd be a Jeep or something. I'm just freaking out. It's going to set my heart off. Or if I'm in a plane and there's turbulence, it's going to go off. So I was always for years and years and years, always, you know, can I take my kids on a roller coaster? You know, I, I had to do so many things, um, you know, with that in the back of my mind, it was really hard. Yeah. Um, Oh, I, but, I can't even no. imagine. I mean, you know, flying when it's stressful as it is, but having a having a medical condition that, you know, makes it so that that stress causes you to actually have, you know, a, a health concern or a scare, you know, like, I mean, 200 beats per minute can't be <laughs> can't be very healthy, I'm guessing. Um, no, there was one situation in my life where I actually, for the first time in my 30s, wrote my will. Oh my when God. I was in a hospital one, one episode. Yes. But it was, um, but it was something that I had so long. Um, I was able to deal with it and you, for some reason you just figure out how to deal with things right, without yeah. talking to anybody. I, I would find just holding my breath would get it back to normal. And then if I drank something very cold, it would get it back to normal. If I would lay on my left side, you know, the weight of my organs, whatever, yeah. off my heart, whatever. I slowly, but over time, it got harder and harder to get rid of. In fact, when I ran track in high school, I ran the two mile. And while I was in the middle of the two mile race, it would go off. Oh, <laughs> but my I, goodness. I'm a, I'm a pretty stubborn guy. I yeah. kept running. I've never known that about and, you. Um, the stubborn bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never known that. I, about <laughs> I always thought, well, though, I that like I always thought you were afraid of flying. So it wasn't a fear of flying. It was it was a concern that you were going to set this thing off and, and you know, and die, like from a heart would, attack or something. I would right? have to say it was a, well, it wasn't a heart attack. Basically, I was born with extra um, electrical circuits. Yeah. And uh, I had, uh, I went to a couple cardiologists and um, didn't like any of them. And they put me on medications and the medications made it worse. It, yeah. it basically felt like your whole body was numb and it actually turned into AFib. Now, let me tell you, if you ever had AFib, you don't want it. Yeah. It's the scariest thing. PAT yeah. was nothing 
uh, compared to AFib. Uh, so when I started getting AFib, I was really worried. And so, I finally found a good doctor who talked to me and um, uh, told me about what could be done. And he, he said the good thing, he said, Iris, the nice thing about most, most things um, that happen to human beings, yeah, they're treatable, but they're not like fixable. They yeah. can't say you are now cured. He said, this is one of the things that if we find it and we can deal with it, you're cured. And I was oh, like, really? wow, okay, that's cool. So, so you I actually got rid procedure. of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got oh. rid of it. Um, uh, in my, uh, late thirties, um, and, uh, radio frequency ablation. So basically they just send a wire up one of your arteries, put you out and they just try and find it. That extra connection in your heart, they trigger it off and, um, and they basically burn it. Jesus um, Christ. and, um, that and then scary. it can know where, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but when you live with something so long, you know, yeah, you just want it I gone. Mean, it, yeah, and it was nice. He said occasionally it could want to grow back, but it's been a very long time and it hasn't. And uh, haven't had PAT ever since. So it's been a wonderful thing because to live your life every day, just if something would drop and I would just quickly move for it, I go up oh, there it goes again. Yeah. Um, so how'd you, know, you get over and, the flying thing? Like, so that was the beginning of it. And then you were still well, obviously somewhat I nervous just, about it. Yeah. I mean, I le- let's just say I legitimately had a fear of flying uh, yeah. in addition to it being one of the possibilities of right. triggering off PAT. Um, you know, I'm up in the air. I'm doing, I'm, you know, I think a lot, I yeah. think too much. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, a, a brain that works a lot tends to, think a lot, which means you've got a lot to like <laughs> yeah. over process sometimes. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of shit going on up there. <laughs> yeah. So out of the blue, I just decided to take flying lessons in the Cessna. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, the control side of me, you know, just felt like, well, if my, if I have my hands on it and I'm actually doing it, Maybe I'll feel better because I feel more in control of the situation. So you're you're deathly afraid of flying, basically, and so you decide to get over it by becoming a pilot. Well, I didn't become a pilot. I just wanted to do it enough um, to just start to understand what was going on, be in control of it, fly around, take off, land, kind of go like, okay, I get it. Did somebody you convince know, you to do that, or did you just convince yourself? No, I just decided to do it. That's 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 amazing. And, um, you know, that's know what all these all these self help guys tell you that, like if you're afraid of of heights, to you know go skydiving, and because once you take that fear to an extreme, you basically cure it. It's gone. And I don't know that I believe that, or, or I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that often. Well, I know I know a couple of people in the industry that really had a fear of flying. He would drive a long distance, and he would really go out of his way not to fly. And over time, he overcame it. But then it came back again, you know, uh, years later. So, but yeah. he tends to have the same kind of wasn't, so, uh, wasn't wasn't Bob C like that? But I think that had something to do with his weight as well. But, but I remember Bob C yeah, would like well, would take RVs to go to trade shows and stuff as opposed to yeah. oh, uh, oh, like Madden 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Madden is another one that, you know, yeah, traveled yeah. for years yeah, with football. Like and big RV. Yeah. I yeah. would never fly. Yeah. 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 I had to go from one game directly to the next. There was a golfer too. Yeah, I remember East coast West. There was a golfer that did it too. I remember, I can't yeah. remember who it was, but, uh, someone. Too bad it wasn't <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. So do you still, uh, so now you're good with planes period. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm reasonable. I can, I can go to the dark side of my brain if I want to, but I just accept it. But once the door shut and I'm on it, I'm committed. I go like, look, you're on it, you're in the air, get over it. So that's how I get over yeah. it. I mean, do I? I always balance, you know, uh, risk versus reward. So yeah. you know, I go like, do I really want to go to that great show? I'm in a plane. Yeah, I got. A- probability of crashing and dying but what value am i getting out of taking that risk you know and a lot of people make that equation and a lot of decisions in their life yeah i happen to take one you know getting on a plane for i go just how important is this yeah um so have, now, have you, you ever know, i started have you ever discussed it with uh mokri flying robert mokri yeah i i don't believe so because we are on the um the geezer show. And, yeah. Um, so there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lack of recollection. Ah, um, yes, we do have yeah. a bit of a memory problem, but, um, Robert Mokri, I didn't know that he was afraid of flying and I don't know if he still is. So I apologize, Robert, if I'm outing you here, but, um, Robert worked with me for a little while and we had to go to Europe and I didn't know that he was afraid of flying. And so we're in the airport and we're in like the first class lounge or something and Robert's pacing and he's got this notebook that he kept pulling out and putting back and pulling out and putting back and he's pacing and he's pounding drinks too. And, um, I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I didn't really ask him until we sat down on the plane, but he kept pulling out this notebook, writing a couple notes, putting it back in, pulling it back out, writing a couple notes, putting it back in. And finally I said, Robert, what is with this notebook? Like, what are you doing? And he goes, Oh, well, um, I'm deathly afraid of flying. And what I do is I read sort of positive affirmations and then I write little notes about what I think about them. And then, you know, I put it away and I go back and I said, so what are these positive affirmations? And most of them are like statistics, how much more likely you are to die getting hit by a brick than you are on a plane crash or how much more likely you are to die in a car crash or walking across the street or all of these, you know, mowing your lawn or whatever, right? And he's reading all of these mm-hmm. things and just convincing himself that it's okay. And I, I, I witnessed this whole thing. I mean, he was sweating. He was soaking wet. You know, he was so stressed. I had never seen anything like it. You know, just a complete physical fear of getting on that plane. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I that was my first real experience with. You know, I've been with people who get nervous flying and stuff, but never somebody that was that physically afraid of it. So it was pretty. Well, being a business, I always I would use the uh, comparison to how many overnight FedExes. And UPSs, did you get? Yeah. And how many got here? All yeah. of them. I yeah. go, well, they were on the plane. And uh, every package I've ordered for the last, I don't know, 20 years got here. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I use that a lot. But, but one thing I, I can't do when anything moving, uh, a plane, a train, a car, is read or be preoccupied other than uh, I'm one of them. I want to win the seat and I actually at least appreciate, you know, the view. 
Yeah. You know, but I can't, I don't close up, you know, watching a movie or, or anything. So really? <laughs> it's huh. kind of hard for me. Yeah. The trip trips a lot longer. No. So no. you can't sleep. Oh, hell no. No, no, no. You, I'm not a napper. I'm not a sleeper. I'm not. A, although uh, this is the geezer show. So I'm just letting you know in about 10 minutes, <laughs> I'm going to have to take my rice pudding break. And, and about uh, a half hour, I'm going to have to take my five minute nap. That's all right. No um, problem. So I'm just, just, just letting you know. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just get one of your guys on and we'll tell stories about you while you're napping. That'll be fine. No problem. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, I'm a pretty open guy. I'm yeah. still on your podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but I take the, uh, the, the geezer is a little derogatory. Yeah. However, uh, because geezer is also known as a cranky older man. And, uh, Only in I America. No problem with it. Only in America. You know, in the other parts yeah, of the world well, that you're afraid to fly to? in England. Borderline in England. But um, I'm just saying, like, it's it's down the middle. But who I isn't just, cranky in this industry? I just seriously, just <laughs> shut up, all right? <laughs> really? Oh. I mean, come on. I was just told to shut up. Wait a minute. I thought I could talk about anything I wanted. You absolutely can, but you're getting on my nerves already. So <laughs> we got to oh change the God. topic. <laughs> Oh, because you picked the name and you're upset. I'm so sorry. I like the name. Okay. You can't pick on my right, name. I keep on trucking gear. Or okay, so like that. hang you on know, a second. Like... So, so are you saying so boldly that you are the main light? Oh, oh, you're throwing that at me. Are there no well, other one. companies other than main light? Because you're the main light, right? So there are no well, other lights. Well... well there could only be you're, secondary you're lights. That as if it's like an egotistical sort of uh, name to pick. Correct. But it does is. it have my name? Does it have my name in it, like Madonna or something? No, but main light. Okay. It's like saying right. it's like saying you know best light, or you know, forget about all the other light, or you yeah. know, there just is no other light. Main. Main light. Main light. But yeah, coincidentally, there was a main lighting up in Maine that got a lot of our packages. <laughs> well it, it goes back i was i was actually when i first started in business i was wilmington stage lighting for two years yeah uh and then when i made the change well, there's an I original name that's a really original name right I was wait where were you based right, so it was very yeah uh it was not too far from where main light is up in claymont delaware right. which is like the, the top of uh, just not too far from the pa line and, and claymont and, uh, stage lighting just didn't sound good right Oh, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when you think of Delaware, you don't think too much. It's over Air Force Base and yeah. maybe Wilmington. Yeah. And that's only because Biden lives down the street, right? Right, <laughs> so, right. Um, well, and plus there's a lot of but, boats registered there for some reason. Uh, a lot of corporations. Yeah. Is that because there's no <laughs> corporate tax or something? The world. Nah, one, I, I think the, 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 the court system... Um, was, I believe, really well known to be a very good court to go to because uh, some corporate um, situations could be rather complex. Right. And, you know, you really had to be sharp to understand, you know, what you were hearing. And I believe they were just very good at that uh, originally. And, of very course, it has a lot of – and, it, yes, and it has – definitely tax benefits. Yeah. I mean, everybody and their mother is incorporated here. You know, I heard Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie had a, 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 a mail address of some house on, you know, a street oh, really? <laughs> somewhere, you know, all you have, yeah, you're, 
Yeah. You could just set up a bunch of P.O. boxes. This could be a good pivot for your business. Yeah. Set up a bunch no, of P.O. I, boxes I, I, in your shop, you know? I already got my pivot down. I got my pivot down. Thank God we bought a lot of LED fixtures. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to set them all to red. And I'm going to uh, set up little uh, hair growth um, pods um, around the state. Uh, because I hear the red wavelength uh, brings back a full head of hair. So um, that's what I'm going with. Oh, well, there you go. That could yeah. be a good thing. So, I, that's, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm, 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 I'm putting let, it all on. Let me know how that business red. goes for you, Idis. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm sure. Well, you know. I'm sure we're all saved All the now. geezers want to get their hair back. That's true. It's very true. That is very So what true. comes after geezers and we're, st- we're still around? Do you, have, do you have your next name ready for the future? No, it's just geezers of gear. That's it. We're we're gonna die with that uh, one. We're gonna die with that one, my uh, friend. Uh, I'm gonna sell no it. I'm gonna sell it to Spotify for a hundred million dollars, like uh, like Joe Rogan did a few <laughs> days ago. <laughs> Have, do you know Joe Rogan? Do you know who he is? No. Okay. So Joe Rogan was a comedy uh, uh, comedian. A uh, had a couple TV shows. He did this show called Fear Factor when he would make people like eat bugs and stuff. Um, or, you know, maybe make oh. a guy who's oh. deathly afraid of flying, fly a Cessna or something. Yeah. But it was called well. Fear Factor, and it was kind of like, who's the bravest is going to win the show, right? And um, then he, as UFC grew, he was a big UFC fan and was also kind of a, a mixed martial artist himself. But he became the announcer for UFC or or the color commentator. And as they grew, his he just grew massively, and his comedy career grew, and everything grew. And he was one of the very earliest podcasters. And so every podcast episode, he gets like tens of millions of people. Wake up, buddy. And so, so he he sold his podcast a few days ago, or he licensed Sorry, it. I was taking my nap. He licensed his podcast yeah. to to Spotify for a hundred million dollars. So there you go. There's your story. So let me ask you a question: Are you talking about someone else's podcast on yes. my podcast? I am. Yes, in fact, I am. Okay, I just just call me crazy. You're crazy. But yeah, <laughs> you told me. You told me to call you crazy. So is this like that show where reality uh, stars watch the reality stars again? Kind of. Kind of sort show of. yeah, sort of. Where, where we have a podcast where we talk about all the podcasts. That's exactly what we do. What do you got? <laughs> Bring it. Well, this is my. Hey, you're breaking into a, a podcast version here. Have so you ever? I don't know. Have you ever it. heard a podcast? I just just by accident, my daughter would be listening to a couple, and I go like, "Hey, what's that? Oh, that's a podcast." I go, "Okay, so some guy talking." Yeah, said, yeah. That's yeah. about how long you know because I can't listen too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I mean, it, it's it's a really cool medium because you can kind of do whatever you want. It's kind of obviously not super professional, so you don't have to have super professional equipment to do it or anything. People expect it to kind of be raw. And, or guests. Uh, yeah, or guests. Yeah, you can have non-super professional <laughs> guests. And uh, so, yeah. So, you know, I've been... What? I, what? I, I had someone this morning beg me not to go there with you, but... What's going on oh. with uh, this whole COVID thing, and and how are you doing, and what's going on with business, and how's the touring business going to do? And okay, well, this is this is my Kreskin moment. Yes, my my Kreskin moment is when you said you had someone begging you not to go there. Um, I could pretty much say it was it was someone at work. 
Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. It, I oh, was really? talking to the guys okay. at work, though, because I was trying to get funny pictures <laughs> yeah. of you, and you were blocking me. You send me this picture okay. of you standing behind the <laughs> counter like you're, you know, can I hey. help you, sir? <laughs> You, My name I, is Idis. I Can I help you, picture. sir? Look, yeah, it's you a asked funny me one. for a picture. Yeah. I told you to go to my professional LinkedIn page. I have a professional photograph on my professional LinkedIn page. Yeah, of some dude sleeping profile. on a park bench in Austin, Texas. Well, Marcel, yes. you know what age we live in. Yes. I could be whatever damn well I want to be. Yeah. And yeah. I am that person. So, and in hindsight, maybe, maybe I was just... Um, pretty much knowing where I was headed. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> but pretty COVID-19. funny. Sleeping on a park. Here's all I'm going to say back. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say. Well, you know, when um, you, when you called yourself Kreskin, you made yourself a geezer, right? Because like 90% of the people that are going to listen oh, okay. to this are below 50 and yeah. won't know who the hell Kreskin is. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. I remember Nostradamus. watching that show with my, with my parents Everybody when I was a kid. Nostradamus. Right, because well, that's that's different. That's except more those of us of who quit school a little earlier than others, you know. I didn't get that far. Yeah, I didn't get that far. There's books, there's movies, there's all right. Yeah. So, would you like me to answer your question about this COVID? I would. I I just want your your views on where we're at, and you know how the hell we're going to get out of it, well, and all that kind of stuff. Jesus, I think we all know where we're at. Yeah. Um, I only have one thing to say about it. All right. Um, that it's a very tough situation and I'm very fortunate to have the people working with me that I have working with me because we've not only been through COVID-19, we've been through some other pretty massive situations in a company that's been around a long time. Yeah. Uh, in COVID-19, uh, you know, Randy, Giovanni, uh, Rick, uh, Barry, I can go on and on that they yeah. are just uh, giving up so much and supportive and loyal yeah. and stretching themselves out uh, as far as they possibly can. And all of our spouses and our loving partners, you know, yeah. that have to sit and wonder like, honey, um, do we have health insurance? Uh, yeah. Are we going to lose our house? Um, so everybody, everyone uh, deserves, you know, some thanks and praise for just, you know, not running. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, um, trying, trying to at least fight. And uh, it, it's tough because you just simply don't know how long and no businessman can make any true proper decision without having a reasonable um, timeline on something or yeah. understanding. Um, <laughs> That's the weird thing because so, we're an industry of yeah. problem solvers and we're kind of like a put me in coach kind of industry, but, but you know, put me into what put me, you know, like there's just no yeah. direction we can go right yeah. now. That's the tough part, you know, because uh, there's, well, there's always a direction to go in and uh, life is, is always like that. Let's, let's, uh, well, like, thank you for asking Marcel, because it does sort of like um, have a comparison to what we're facing now and maybe the start of your business. Right. Uh, and the, everything was an unknown. Um, and just before this podcast, I'm just letting you know that while I'm just trying to have a lovely conversation with you and your three listeners, yeah, um, only because I'm on, yeah, um, I had a I had a battle a wasp 
in the room with me. What? So that bottom feeding little piece of shit. How dare he? Yeah. But well, I'm not a bug killer. Uh, I don't believe in killing anything that you don't absolutely necessarily have to. Uh, otherwise, just simply catch and release. So have you uh, befriended the wasp? Was, well, no, I hit him with a soft pillow, kind of gave him a mild concussion, <laughs> and let him out the front door. But again, no matter what you're doing, there's always something else you got to deal with. Yeah. Uh, this is a big. This is a big one, no yeah. doubt. This is yeah. a big one, and you're, you're trying to. So the goal is um, to give it a go, you know, yeah. if, it, if it if it makes sense. But yeah. right now, um, you know. But have I, you got any feel from from your viewpoint when at least parts of it start to return to at least a little bit of work? Like, in other words, we know touring is going to take a while, but one-off events are going to happen a little bit sooner, a little bit smaller. And, you know, maybe corporate meetings aren't going to be massive, but they're coming back sooner than touring. And, like, have you started piecing together timing on, you know, at least when some of the smaller things are going to come back? Um. The coronavirus has been around long enough to where I sort of compare it to um, the grieving of someone passing away. Yeah. You know, there's a shock of it. There's a surprise. There's sort of a numbness. Then there's a sorrow. And then there's a slow recovery. Uh, I'm sort of past a lot of parts that were pretty painful, you know, that were really stressful and very concerning and just made you not be able to think properly. And I think, um, you know, at a time of crisis, you have to really think clearly. So you almost have to force out not to be delusional of the reality of what's going on, but you have to put yourself in a non-panic mode in order to make the best possible solutions that may, you know, be a little clearer to you, but the clearer mind. So I try not to one speculate, on this nonsense because yeah. it's it's out of everyone's hands. Um, I'm not even going to get into the deeper politics of it. Yeah, but there's no way to have a reasonable understanding of what's going to happen yeah. when because yeah. there's just other factors in play here that we don't control. Yeah, I mean, I completely um, get so it. I, I have no idea why yeah. I even asked you that because I know the answer. I mean, uh, yeah. we don't know it's, what we don't know, you know. Yeah. So uh, sitting around speculating, and the lighting is industry itself is, is speculation. You know, what light should I buy, and how many yeah. should I buy? Yeah. Is this one going to be good? You know, but they're reasonable speculations of investment yeah. and all that. Yeah. This right now, it's sort of like you're you're simply speculating. Do I even try and stay in business? Yeah. You know, and that's a pretty tough really weird, yeah. you know, decision it thought is. to have it in is. your mind. Yeah. You're not, you're not thinking about like, should I hire another person? Should I let this person go? Should I add some more square footage? Yeah. Should we have another location? You know, reasonable business decisions. Yeah. It's just one. Do I try and stay alive? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, you know, it's not, and every, every business and every person and every freelancer and every, 
fair. Yeah, yeah, I could just go on and on and on. Yeah. But, um, well, and there's some words that are really starting to piss me off too, like pivot. You know, pivot is just becoming one of those words that it's just like, you know, let's not talk about pivot because uh, you can only pivot is, uh, so much. I can, well, I, I can pivot. I can keep I, spinning I, I, around I, in circles. I'm pivoting so much and there's no money anywhere. Well, yeah. Like, like I say, I, I equate pivoting to like probably how custard felt no matter which direction of 360 degrees he turned, there was another arrow coming. Yeah, it's totally uh, so true. There is no pivot without totally danger true. right now. Yeah, uh, so, totally true. Well, there's it, this other one. We're all in this together. And, you know, that one annoys me too, just because, you know, I think in some sense, like in our industry, and I talk to a lot of people on either the podcast or I do this happy hour every week or whatever. And, and, there really is a different feeling of togetherness right now, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's still politically divided, but even on those political lines, there's still ways to get along with people in a much better way than we did six months ago. And people are feeling more vulnerable and, and willing to reach out and ask for help and things like that. So I've gone out of my way to call people that I haven't connected with in a while and, you know, make sure they're doing okay and stuff. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it sucks. It really does. It's a shit time. And, you know, empathy the, does not put a stake on the plate. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, but, that's for sure. uh, I will. So let's assume, let's assume something here. Yeah. Out there on the podcast world, they don't know me from Adam. So we're at the end. What about the beginning? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, let's throw uh let's throw that that standardized AIDIS. How did it all start? Yeah, well we're gonna get there. Don't worry. Oh we're gonna get there? We're gonna get there. Oh you're don't the, worry. You're like a Japanese book. We're so going to we get there, my from friend. From the end back to the beginning. No, okay. what we it. do is we don't script conversations because then they're boring. Oh, okay. Scripted conversations well, I are boring. It, didn't I? So I have okay. some competitors now in the podcast world because just like my other business, most people, as soon as you do something, they decide, oh, that looks easy. I'm going to go do that. That's my pivot. So, uh, okay. so but there's All a right. lot of Q&A, Q&A shows out there that are kind of sleepy. And I, I don't know. I don't like to do that. Right. Well, it was my it was my 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 control side trying to take control. Yeah, so that's all right. You can um, control it. I'll tell I'll, you I'll what. Why I don't can. we switch it and you ask the questions and I'll answer them? How about we do it that way? No. So if I ask the the questions for you to you. No, I just so listen. <laughs> can I assume that like 2019 was your biggest year ever? Hell no. Really? Yeah. Well, for most of our industry, 2019 was their biggest year ever. It was the biggest year of touring. It was the biggest year of so many things. So just yeah, a lot of people, but... a lot of people have told me that, you know, you've gone from your biggest year ever to just, you know, screech, the brakes are on and, and now we're just figuring out how to survive. And so I was just curious. I was just curious if that was Mainlight's biggest nope. year. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Well, you've had a lot of big yeah. ones. You've had a lot of big years. Yeah. Big years. It's, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's variable. Yeah. Uh, just because it's it's busy out there in the world doesn't doesn't necessarily mean it matches all across every stock in the stock market. Right. Like uh, the yeah. Dow's up uh, fifteen hundred points. Well, there's still five stocks down. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> you know, well, and so, I have friends. You know, I do have friends who are either in sort of connected businesses, or um, I have one friend who owns uh, pharmacies. You know, who's shopping new cars every day and stuff. You know, and I mean some businesses have done really really well amazon uh toilet paper companies obviously you know some businesses have done really well in this crisis and uh you know others not so much so so anyways well what crisis doesn't uh, someone do well yeah there's always someone that does well in every crisis yeah uh, but that's that doesn't make it right <laughs> yeah so i i really you know, even during the depression yeah you know, I mean, to go to go to your question or to your thought that you had just mentioned. So I don't actually know how you got in the lighting business. And, you know, I will tell you that on this podcast, usually it's I was a a musician that just couldn't find a way to make it. Or I was a DJ is generally how guys sort of, quote, our age got into it. Um, So what was what was your excuse? Well, finally, an interesting and very um, risque question to ask me. Yes. So very good. <laughs> so my you. first day experience um, was two years ago. Oh, Jesus. And it was in, um, I don't feel right about, you know, calling anybody else, else out because, you know, that's you know, kind of a private thing, but yeah. it was Key West uh, two years ago. Yeah. Noel Duncan of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, married with children. Yeah. Uh, somewhat religious, but I think it was a Haitian um, voodoo cult, so I think he's okay on that end. <laughs> now, I told him it was the tequila. He swore it wasn't, but yeah. he hasn't called me since, so I don't know what to think. Shame on him. You know? Shame on him. Yeah, he used I you. Don't, I don't know. I don't know what to think. He swore it wasn't the tequila, but every every time he has a drink with tequila in it, he's going to have to live with thinking of me. But you know, yeah. Well, we all know. do. We I all do. I just think, but yeah, we so, all do. But um, so, what's your next question? That was uh, you're really getting so. How did how did I how did I just get into the lighting business? When did it start? Uh, how did it start? Way, way, like, way before Mainlight. Like like everything. In the very beginning of time. You just you just get in the boat and let the current take you. you <laughs> but know, there was just, an event, uh, Ida. Something happened. What was it? What made um, you go into lighting? Nothing made me. Uh, well, nothing made me. It was it was a choice, and, yeah. and the offer came up. But uh, just I let me see. It all began um, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay. Uh, my my mother and father met on a train uh, from Lithuania heading to Germany during the war, and they had to engage in some sort of a physical thing five times to get to me. Uh, <laughs> did I go back too far? No, no. I like this story. Or should I jump I like ahead? This story. Okay. I like this story. All right. So when they finally got to me, needless to say, they said, finally, a good one. Yeah. Uh, and they stopped. <laughs> Do you have siblings? And uh, at least, yeah, 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 yeah. I have uh, two brothers, a sister, uh, a sister that was lost, um, which was actually my mother's first child. Oh, uh, but she didn't make it past a year. 
Uh-oh. Um, so, um, Regina was her name. Ah. And, uh, so, so I are, are any of your, time. are any of your siblings in near you? Are they in Delaware? Are they in oh, America? Yeah. 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 Oh, oh yeah. Okay. We're like a clan. We're so, like a clan. So you were born somewhere else and moved here early? No, no, no. My brother and sister, uh, were born in Germany. Okay. Uh, and then they came to America. Uh, we were sponsored by a Latvian family in Kenneth PA. And then, uh, they had my brother, uh, and then me. Oh, so, so you were born here. So you were born in PA. I was born at, I was born in Wellington, Delaware. Uh-huh. My business is literally miles away from where I was raised, and uh, I'm about as close to where everything happened as it could possibly be. You don't like to spread out uh, much. No, I just um, I don't think about why or how things happen. I just yeah. kind of stay engaged, and I make a decision and all that. But just before the offer. <laughs> To do lighting came, I, I had a, an art studio and a costume and makeup uh, studio in, in downtown Wilmington. Um, and the only thing that was making money was painting signs for furniture companies going out of business on fluorescent paper. And, uh, you know, we, we, we'd have heat in the studio and I didn't know uh, when I painted the sign, they were, you know, giant, like four foot high. 60 feet long. Yeah. And when you wrote them up, customer called me and said like, Hey, there's no letters on this paper. Well, it was acrylic, you know, water based. It, it all cracked off. <laughs> it fell. So, you know, after having to remake signs and, you know, there goes that money. But, um, a, f- <laughs> a friend of mine who I knew since I was a teenager, Barry, who still works with me, Barry Cohen, uh, just said like, Hey, I just, what? you want to do lights for a band? And I went, sure. You're thinking that can't uh, be that hard, right? And, and that exactly. Yeah. Um, because I, I was kind of bored of, uh, doing, uh, the costumes and the makeup and all. You know, I'd like to, you know, I was always interested in doing things and, and that's what I meant. I don't consciously think about it. I just say, if you stay positive, positively engaged in whatever you're doing, the yeah. next thing that comes will be good. Right. Uh, and it's a proper kind of move. And the offer came and literally I was asked that question in the late morning and late that afternoon I was headed in a car down to Baltimore, Maryland to do my first gig that night. And, <laughs> and who I was that for? Process. It was for a band called Vanessa progressive rock band called they were home based out of Vanessa. Vanessa. Okay. Vanessa, you know, like the, like yeah, the yeah. girl's name. Yeah. I Vanessa. got it. Yeah. And, um, and they, they were a progressive rock band. Um, we played the seagull in Essex, Maryland, which is just outside of Baltimore. And, uh, I literally just sat there and I just was figuring out in my head. I go like, okay, what do you got? You got a, you got a stage, you got the performers. All right. You got a light. All right. The light plugs into a cord and all right, you got to get electric to it. And all right, you plug that in. I guess there's some switches and you just flash them on and off. And I, okay, I can do it. I got good feel of music. Um, <laughs> and I literally did it. And basically that was my apprenticeship because let me tell you, Spinal Top is not a fake movie. No, no, it's very <laughs> Spinal real. Spinal Top is for real. In fact, 
it's a little on the soft side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in reality, to compare it to the real world of what was going on out there, it was kind of like soft. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I was in a was band like a when, when Spinal Tap came out. I was in a band and I remember going to see it and just going, oh my God, this could be us. You know, this is like us. We've done all these crazy things, you know? It was so yeah. funny. So how old, so no, how old I, were I, you was, at this point? Was, uh, then I was about 18 because I did, I basically did Vanessa for a couple of years and I, and I was, you know, I painted in watercolor. I worked at like a, an advertising agency in Philadelphia my last year of school and something about, you know, having illustration board and, you know, paint. Yeah. You know, I liked it. Um, but what I liked about lighting, it sort of was like painting with paint, but it had the other aspects of what I'm into too. And that's like big bulky metal and tools and, you know, hard work. So it had this like raw, you know, abrasive side um but still the but, creativity and color well, the, and all well, that the stuff. final outcome was the delicacy of a flower you know so right. they're pretty two wide extremes so it was the perfect mix of um artistry uh but then you know uh, other factors of that that i just seem to not want to sit down on a desk drawing yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen, I've seen like a lot of lighting people go sort of the other direction too. Like, and, and, you know, Mark Brickman, uh, Steve Cohen, you know, guys who sort of later in their career really are exploring a lot more with art, uh, as opposed to lighting or in addition to lighting or whatever. And, uh, I mean, certainly you can see the lines between them, right? So you were working for another company or you were a freelancer? How was that? All working. No, no, no. Tom Watkins and I pretty much, you know, it, it, it was soft. It, it, I, um, I did that. So me and me and him had, I, I can't even remember what we called the art studio, but we would show films once a, a like week. Uh, in it, it was like a loft in downtown Wilmington, uh, mm-hmm. big and open spaces, and we would just show off the wall movies. And we showed a John Waters movie, and Edie the Egg Lady and John Waters drove up in a Rolls Royce, and they, they watched it. We had like twelve people in there. It was like you know, it was, um, it, it was like late seventies, um, early eighties, right. uh, and you know, it was just a fun time. Yeah. So it just went for it, and then, um the offer for that came up and then back then uh the main combo was a, a light and sound company right you know there was always a combo you you weren't just a lighting company or you weren't just a sound company to yeah. do the bands yeah. you know you provided the lights and the sound so i went into a business uh with um i'm, I'm not going to say his name because i'm going to say something that doesn't necessarily define his his true character. Right. But I was, he had his sound part. I had my lighting part. Yeah. Uh, we did gigs together and he was the sound man for Vanessa and I was the lighting guy. And, you know, then we started to try and, you know, do something business wise. Well, after about a year, I, I simply didn't like the way he did business. Right. And I'm not saying he was unethical, but one thing that I feel is, one of the reasons I'm still in business is I 
I'm, I'm pretty ethical. Yeah. And I don't, I, whatever I say I'm going to do for a customer, I, uh, I'm going to do, even if it takes a loss, I won't, won't come up with an excuse. Right. Um, but he was just doing things that would just like, you know, promise a customer something, not deliver, do things. And I you know, I just, it wasn't me. And I know long-term it wasn't the way I wanted to run a business, but it's, I didn't it's, see it sustainable. It's that good way. that you found that out or discovered or decided that early on, as opposed to, you know, 10 years into the business. Cause you know, cultural differences between business partners, I think is one of the, probably the primary reasons that partnerships break up, right. Is, is just beliefs and culture and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. this, you know, business to me is, you know, you, you, you do things on, on the straight up and up and you make a deal and you say you're going to provide something and you do it and, you know, yeah. just simple things. You know, you, you have a bill, you pay it, Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but when it wasn't going that way, I just felt like, yeah. So I basically like a, like a, like a, a divorcing couple, you know, packed the truck, left that night, wow. <laughs> you know, and I opened up, uh, so, and I didn't want a regional name. I wanted a name, name light that was, um, not so geographically restrictive, uh, right. something that would work more, um, you know, on a wider area. Yeah. Um, and, um, so I picked main light and opened up a very, very small, small shop and, um, and just kept at it. So that was, just kept doing it. That was kept when early eighties, right? Yeah. I, I incorporated main light in 81 had Wilmington States on Vanessa for two years uh, prior to that. Right. Um, so, but, so really, when you started Mainlight, it was just you and what one other person, two other people, like who? How many? It no, was a small I just company, right? It was just me. Oh, it's just yeah, you. It was just me. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and then um, and then I then I would get uh, Brian Dowd uh, started working with me early on. Um, Mike Manton, uh, a guy I knew from a band. You know, most of the guys you hired back then were all musicians. And let me tell you, they're the worst guys to hire. <laughs> uh, because, you know, you know, and what's funny, and uh, there's a couple, one I love to death, and he's, he, we're still in contact with each other. Yeah. But the line out of most musicians you hire is, you know, they all think they're going to get a record deal and they're going to make it big. Yeah. So when they come to work for you, they realize, well, I need some money. Yeah. Uh, they go like, well, I'm, I'm only going to work here for like a month or two. Yeah. They go like, okay. And then eight years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is still beneath <laughs> you know, me. You you realize I'm you're, you're still going to be a rock star, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 But but you feel bad because you go like, hey, boss, I want to raise, or I want this and this, or I want this position. And I go like, you know what? If you didn't have the attitude, I'm only here for a couple months, yeah. maybe you would have invested a little bit of energy into what you're doing to justify what you're asking me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, but, you know, like you didn't think you'd be here this long, but I always say be careful. I say no matter what you're doing, even if you think it's for a week, don't think it's just for a week. Yeah. Engage yourself 100% into it because you'll get the best out of it. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you, it's you get a, what you give. It's a, well, it's a no lose situation. You yeah. you'll always come out better. If yeah. you just accept where you are 
you know, at the time. Well, yeah, there, I mean, walking and, into a job and telling know. the owner, basically, this job sucks and it's beneath me and I really <laughs> yeah. want to be doing something else. Yeah. But, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll gift yeah. you my time for now because I just don't have something yeah. better to do. Oh, well, that's yeah. a great attitude. Yeah. Let me pay you more money. <laughs> you know, how about you come over yeah. to my house for dinner tonight? Come on over. Yeah, I mean, weird. Strange. Yeah, but that's uh, that. That was most of the people you you hired back then. You know, yeah. they either did that or drove a school bus. Oh my god. Yeah. So if if I spoke to Itis, if I spoke to Itis in like eighty one or eighty two or whatever, what were your aspirations for business back then? Like, were you planning or hoping to build a big business, or you just were kind of? Oh, like, absolutely not. I I I. Uh, again, it would probably scare like, you know, my bankers and, and, and accountants and, and people that have like, you know, mission statements and right. maybe, you know, even certain employees and stuff. But, right. but what I'm saying, um, my, my plan, uh, has always been no matter what I do is simply what you're doing engage yourself 100% yeah. and what will be, will be. Um, but I'm not, I, I've never liked forecasting. I've never liked PowerPoint. I've never liked projections. Um, but I get it. I mean, I understand that. And now business from when it started to where it is now is like night and day. Now you can kind of call it a business, but back then you simply were doing what you loved. You were just blessed with being able to do, even if you came out with zero at the end of the week, you were just happy because it wasn't about money. Yeah. Uh, most, and I, I would have to say a lot of people, uh, but from my perspective, uh, what I wanted, I, I was just happy as could be just doing something that yeah. excited me. Sleep, you loved the sleep lighting was something that got, a, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I just wanted to wake up and how blessed are you to be in any job to where you just couldn't wait to wake up. Yeah. You yeah. know, well, what, get back to something. How's the saying go? Like if, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life or something like that. So no, yeah. And, 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 and I say a lot of people like can fix something that they're not even happy with. If they simply accept it and engage in it because you'll get more out of it. You might find that you actually, it's not as bad if you truly commit yourself to it. Yeah. It's just like in the relationship. If you, if you, you just say like, well, you know, I'm miserable as hell, but man, uh, it's been 20 years. I'm good job. You know, like, well, what the <laughs> hell was the point of that? Yeah. You know, and I say like it works, like, look, you're doing what you're doing. You're unhappy. You yeah. don't like it. I said, well, why don't you just try really being really good at it and really like looking at it from a different perspective and you might actually get something out of it. And then maybe someone will notice you see that positive energy just pouring out of you yep. and offer you your next path in life. Yeah. But yeah. let me tell you, if you're miserable and you're doing a lousy job, nobody's going to offer you anything and you are going to be stuck in that like little chair yeah. for the rest of your life. miserable. No, and so attitude. I always say, no matter what you do, even if it's not what you like, just, just accept it because it is where you are. Uh, have that understanding. Maybe it's not where I want to stay, yeah. uh, but you don't know what the next thing. Well, and you have to have some be. passion. You know, it's funny because I have this, <clears throat> I have this conversation with my son who's 16 and, you know, we're in, we're in Wellington, Florida. <clears throat> 
And there's a guy here, and I forget his name, but he's been here for, I don't know, 20 years or something. He drives a golf cart around Wellington, which is a very small town. And um, he picks up garbage, you know, with one of those stabby things and, and puts it in the back of his golf cart. And, you know, he'll stop and get out every once in a while and pick something up and put it in or whatever. But the big thing is he waves at every single person or car that's driving by either direction, right. every single one, every single time, all day, every day, never misses a wave. And I've even tried to trick him, you know, like to sneak by him or something so I don't so I don't get the wave, you know, just to see if he catches me, you know. But he always catches right. you. And I always roll down my window and go, hey, how you doing? Or whatever, you know, and drop off some stuff to him at Christmas or whatever. And there's articles in the paper about this guy and stuff because he just, he loves his job. He wakes up every morning, can't wait to get out there and wave at everybody and and so I, I've always tried to tell my son the same thing, whether you're, you know, sweeping a warehouse or driving a race car, you know, be happy with what you're doing and give it your best. Be passionate about it. Do it to the best of your ability and you'll enjoy yourself much more if you're putting energy into it, you know, and so I agree with you completely. completely. Well, I, I've always had people uh, tell me stories that, you know, work for, you know, a lot, a lot of them are like government jobs or Amtrak or something, or General Motors, they always say, like, you know, don't buy Jeep on a Monday. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, but they would, there was almost more excitement about talking about how much they got away with not what they didn't do, as opposed to what they did. Right. Like, I hate those conversations. Feel, how, how could, but how can you feel good about yourself? Yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've always had discussions with people. I said, like, look, every, everything I'm telling you, I'm not trying to get more out of you for, for my benefit. Uh, I said, there's a, there's a reasonable proportion yeah. of, you know, what you do and what I give. And we're always in constant, you know, communication. With, you know, what's, what's fair about that? Um, but you're not, you're not doing yourself any good. Um by having your, you know, main focus on like, what can I not do today? Yeah. You know, well, I want to do the least do? for the most. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I snuck out, you know, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I go like, when you go home, like, how do you feel good about yourself? I, I mean, know. it's better to go home with a story and say, like, guess, guess what I did. But and, that's that's yeah. down to a person's character, right? And and sometimes it's down to upbringing. Sometimes it's you know just how they feel about things or whatever. But I have those conversations with people, and well, I hate it, those conversations. I can't stand those. I don't. You know, I just have this thing built into me that says you have to perform to your fullest, no matter what you do. You know, whether you're a, a part of an orchestra or you're a ditch digger or a lighting guy or whatever it is you do, you, you know, do it to your best uh, and and be passionate about it. And you'll get so much more out of it. You'll get more enjoyment and happiness. And and by providing value to someone else, you're bringing value back to yourself. So I'm with you on it completely. Yeah. So main light at, at what point? In the 80s, did you kind of, you know, sit down by yourself at some point and go, shit, this thing's actually starting to work? You know, I'm actually, you know, 
I think I can feed myself and maybe even a family, you know, and maybe even some employees. What the hell? This thing's working. It's a real business. Was that pretty uh, early on? No, I, I don't think I ever reached that point. Really? Ever. Huh. I don't, it was, no, it's never, a, it was never a conscious thought. Um, I'm just simply uh, doing what I love. Yeah. Going in and money was very low on the list of priorities. But when you're a business, you know, you got to make X amount of money in order to buy more gear. You know, it's all about, you know, I, I want a couple more lights. Yeah. You know, I got to buy a couple more lights, you know, and, 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 and growing that way. And obviously I figured like, all right, I have a couple more lights. I could do a bigger gig or I could do two gigs, you know, two little ones and all that. But I'm, I'm simply just plugging along just saying like, I'm doing what I like and yeah, I got to grow. Um, but it wasn't a conscious thought about like, Oh, you know, this is how it works. I just go like, wow, I'm really busy. Oh, I got six kids. I, you know, I got to call up somebody, see if they can help me. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so hiring back then wasn't like, um, like it is now, you know, it's very administrative and HR department. Yeah. Hiring back then you just showed up and just like, Hey, uh, you need some help? Sure. Yeah. And then next thing you know, they're there 10 years later, you know, so there was no resume. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> you, know, you know what, was, though, uh, you make it sound like it was all very accidental. And I, I don't believe that. Like, I believe you had a plan. I'm, 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 I'm look, um, no, I, I, I'm not trying to come across like it was accidental when yeah. I'm saying it wasn't accidental. What I'm saying is I engaged myself. Yeah. I put the number one ingredient and it doesn't, when you alluded to like, you know, a person's character, there's only one constant, no matter how much time we'll have going forward and how far back business went, there's always one ingredient that is you have to have in order to be successful. And that one of that is engagement, but you have to have the energy, right? Yeah. You have to be energized about doing something. That's the number one thing. If you don't have that, it ain't working. It simply isn't going to work. But, um, but when you talk about forecasting and stuff, like, you know, even in the early years, you didn't sit down at the beginning of the year and say, okay, this year I want to try and grow by 20%, set some sort of a goal. Oh, hell no. In fact, that would make me want to vomit. Really? Um, yes. That's, that's incredible. I'm about, I'm about the most unbusinessman in business you'll ever meet. That's incredible. You know, and you've been so um, successful. I, you should write a book. Maybe we should all be following you. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying I, 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 I just loved what I was doing. Yeah. I did it. Um, and I was always a firm believer. And if, if the need is there, uh, and I have the enjoyment and the energy um, to produce that, I just felt confident I would get it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't go beyond that. I, yeah. I just, you know, you have to have a certain amount of belief yeah. and confidence and, and hope no matter in what you do. Yeah. You know, whether you're picking a stock or you're working for a company or you're building a company or whatever right. you're doing, you have to have a certain level of unknown. Um, I simply, you know, stop my brain from worrying about the things that I couldn't control. You know, I would look at the phone, hope it would ring. 
yeah. know, did did normal things to help it ring. You know, back then it was the yellow page. Boy, if you had a ad in the yellow page, that was big time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, now it's kind of laughable. And I bought R.L. Polk. You know, uh, you know, back then when they sold like mailing addresses, right? You, you had no way of accumulating like all churches in thirty mile radius. You know, because yeah. when I came out with the pot wrap the curtain, you know, I figured it'd be a good thing. So you just mail out brochures, and but you had to pay a lot of money for that. You know, yeah. so you you try and figure out you know, a lot of different ways, but no, I just uh, did a gig, loved it. Yeah. Um, charged them, um, what I thought I could charge. Fair price. Got it. Yeah. And, and, um, went on to the next, uh, invested, you know, everything back. Yeah. Um, so back in, has, has, yeah. in those early What's years, were, were there, was there any significant like turning point for you? Like maybe, you know, I don't know, high-end systems, becoming a partner to high-end systems or something. I don't know, but... Oh, I say, like, yeah, well, it's kind of it's kind of hard. Look, uh, Soft LED was off the chart. Yeah, um, and know, how did how did that happen? Point. How did that happen? Or even prior well, to Randy, Soft... Randy and I were working with Color Kinetics on just trying to, you know, we, at first we were just trying to ramp up um, and update, you know, the Lightscape Fiber Optic Curtain. And then when we so how did that start? Let's times. go back first. Let's go back first because the fiber optic curtain was, you know, absolutely the first of its kind, and yeah. and was the predecessor to it became soft lead over the years, right? And so, uh, who came up with the fiber optic curtain? Why? How? Like, uh, you know, was no, there well, a the need that you were filling? Kind of funny. Well, I caught up. Uh, so I was in the shop. It was like I don't know. It could have been midnight, one in the morning. Um, and I'm in the shop and I'm just like cleaning up. And at the time, uh, Richard Bellevue had the color pro. Right. And Brian Dowd, um, went to, uh, the trade show. I didn't go. <clears throat> and he came back and he bought like this little fiber optic whip. It was about, you know, three feet long, uh, connected to a, connector that would connect to the front of the color pro. So you would just kind of like stick it on there. It'd be like a, you know, like something you see in answers. Yeah. <clears throat> and we didn't do anything with it. And I, I, I threw it in the trash can and about 15 minutes later, I looked at the trash can and I went like, eh. so I called <laughs> Brian. I said, Hey Brian, Hey that, you know, that fire optic kind of whippy thing you bought um, down there when you went to the trade show. Yeah. I said, how much was that? It was, man, that thing was like, uh, 400 bucks or something. I went, oh, I want 400 bucks. Shit. I took it right out of the trash can. Yeah. In literally 15 minutes, I thought of the fire out the curtain. Yeah. Uh, the next day, um, I started having the first panel sewn up and within a couple of days I had the first fiber out the curtain and within a week, I had my first rental, and then I just made literally thousands of them. Wow. <laughs> and, and so my, my point is, again, I, I keep going back. You can't force yourself to write a good book. You can't force yourself to write a good song. You can't force yourself to develop a great product. Yeah. You, um, it will happen yeah. in the strangest of ways, but you have to be engaged. You have to have the energy. You have to have some level of creativity, but you just have to be engaged enough to, to just 
feel your inner senses more than your logical brain. Well, I'm still it's trying to like figure out where this curtain came from, though. Like, why, you know, what made you decide we needed a fiber optic it just, curtain? It, it, just popped, it, just, it just popped in my head where it, it was an obvious thing to do. Huh. And I was like, um, okay. And, and you were going to use it, it for it, what, though, a things. backdrop or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And huh. uh, I, I felt kind of bad because we had to share, you know, high-end's booth, and that's when uh, I think Richard was coming out with the emulator. Like the IntelliBeam was already out because it was in theater, one product of the year in Theatercrafts magazine back then. And I kind of felt bad because it was the backdrop to their booth, but they they paid for the booth. (laughs) And um, I think one of their emulators caught on fire or something that I was so worried about because somebody came up and said, like, your current's on fire. I went, well, what? How can it catch on fire? It has no electrical parts in it yeah uh, but one of the emulators kind of like caught on fire or something and it had a burn hole in there or something yeah. i was so freaking out um uh but yeah one i kind of felt bad at one product of the year and i'm out there this there's, there's all this like high-tech lighting and like all this work i saw him do and i'm like uh, i'm kind of embarrassed i'm going like yeah i felt like apologizing or right. like damn they picked my right. product to be product of the year i'm like okay i'm sorry <laughs> and sorry. you you sold so, a ton of those <laughs> curtains right Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So that had to I be. I mean, we still are. That had to be know, a big turning point for you. Well, yeah. I thought it was going to have like maybe a five, six year life. Uh, it's still going. That's crazy. <laughs> Even with the LED ones, that uh, because it's, uh, I equate it to the difference of a um, of a synthetic low lying fog machine and right. real dry ice. Right, Which one's right. more beautiful? Yeah, God. yeah, yeah. Real dry eyes. Um, so the delicacy of fiber, because it, it doesn't transmit, it's not a filament, so it's not all even up. Yeah. Um, so the, and, and it just has a delicacy and a look of, of you know, foreground, background. It's so much nicer. Um, but there's room for both, and there's purpose for both. Yeah. Um, I understand that. Yeah. But then that segued into the other. Yeah, so then you went and met with Color But I made a lot and... of things. Before that, I, I was working on, actually, I, I'm not trying to be egotistical here, but I literally was working on the first moving light before moving lights. Really? I just didn't have any money. Yeah. Um, I, I made it out of solid aluminum yoke. I got these... Um, um, <laughs> I was trying to find the right motor uh, for the pan and tilt, and uh, I was trying to say uh, the name, and he goes, "Oh, you, oh, you mean Bodon, Bodon Motors?" <laughs> I was calling them Bodie Motors. Yeah, and I called some guy. I don't know, he's down in Alabama or something. They were big and heavy, and yeah. I had this guy I knew from the family that worked at Hercules, like yeah. a machine shop. So he yeah. was working on it from the side. So I just kept kept kicking back, and I got these really good bearings. Um, everything and I and I and I wanted it when I stopped. I told him I don't I don't want it to stop and shake the trust. I, I need like a buffer. Like I had all the things figured out in my head. Right. Um, and I, I actually prototyped the, the the yoke and the motor and everything. But I realized I just bit off more than I could chew. Um, and I did that same thing with the Hydra. You know the 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 chasing strobe system. Yeah. You know when we showed it down um, in high end's booth and you know. Um, I realized that the the light and the controller, again, I didn't want to have to provide too much technical support because it would take away from the productions how many people I had. So I kind of like, I took that pretty far into prototype to where I actually 
you know, it was a working system and everything. And to this day, I still think the controller is still useful. I called it the matrix master. I worked on telephone technology. Uh, you, <laughs> you just use banana plugs yeah. uh, in the back and they could talk to um, 16 lights to chase any way you want. You'd plug in another 16 um, circuit board module. You could make it two parallel 16 channel chasers. Or you can make it a, a 32 channel chase and right. you could just keep going and going and going. It's, it was a very, very nice controller. So I was more bummed out about the controller than the stove, but then Richard came out with the data flash. Yeah. I was so going to say that was like before the data flash, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Did Richard borrow any of your ideas? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, look, there is, um, whether he did or didn't, let's put it this way. The only thing Richard would have borrowed is one thing Richard could do. He appreciates when something's cool. Yeah. And what I like about Richard, he's very smart, very technical. Yeah. But what drives him uh, and what he, what he said to me, he goes, I just, no matter what, what I make or whatever, when I turn it on, do I fucking like it? Yeah. Does it look cool? Do yeah. I just want to shit my pants? Do I yeah. just want to go like, holy shit, what yeah. the hell is that? I love that about him. Because it boils down to that. Yeah. yeah. At I the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like, does it look cool? So does he look at something? Like, everybody, you know, you, you can steal from nature. You can steal from an idea you can see on TV. You can, yeah, I don't call it stealing. I'm, I'm calling it, it's, it's, it's making you think about, because um, I've always taken other products and made products from other products. It's inspiration, you know, not theft. It's just inspiration. Yeah, we took, right? you know, yeah, we took the MF3, clustered them together, had Comar special make us yokes, and we made a lighting fixture out of it. Right. But they just made, you know, an LED like little bar oh, to do this thing. with it. Yeah. So we're like, well, we could do this with it, you yeah. know. So we've always been great adapters of um, refabricating you know, um, components, you know, in totality or in part and put right. them together to go like, Oh, that's kind of cool. So yeah, Richard's going to like, look at something, go like, Hey, I really like that. So when you, you went know, from the, from the fiber, way. from the fiber curtain to the, to the soft lead, you know, that was obviously a very big difference because you were now probably going to like a direct well, view. You forgot Polestar. You forgot Polestar, buddy. Oh, what was that? I forget about that. Polestar was big. Postar was the strobe. Uh, that really was uh, the, the, uh, the the first thing. Now that started that relationship, which was you know eventually became high end, right? Uh, like Wave Research, but it was Blackstone Audiovisual. You know yeah. they were doing all the installs in every big club out there, and they loved this, uh, the Postar. And I just I sold them so many they I made their own labels, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were buying a hundred at a time, a hundred at a time, hundred. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that basically started the relationship with me knowing, you know, uh, the guys down there, that was when it was like, you know, Lowell Fowler, Bob Shockle and Richard Bellevue. Yeah. Um, and, um, that started that. And then I got into the moving lights very early, you know, uh, when he first was going to do the IntelliBeam, I had a big show book. <laughs> and, it didn't happen. They couldn't come out within time. So they sent me some Comar knot kind of, it was like five feet long, 200 pounds. Yeah. You know, but use this instead. You know, and I had a gig. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden there wasn't room on the pipes at the playhouse and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay. And that's a program. I don't even know how to use this board and show times in three hours. Oh boy. <laughs> you know? 
But Sounds that was, about right. That was the blues. Yeah. Yeah. So it was always a, a progression of like, you know, um, you know, there wasn't, there's so many lovely things. I love the, uh, the beginning of the first, let me tell you, the first 15 years of business was just so much fun. Yeah. It was just like you, you, you weren't worried about liability insurance. You weren't worried about, you know, like, should I do this? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. It's uh, very different. Now. Everything, everything you needed, um, you, you kind of had to make, yeah. you know, you just thought of things. You go like, uh, well, well, I know this three and a half inch, um, a Lipsuda from Altman is only really rated for 500 watts. Maybe you could push it with the EHG 750, but I'm putting an FEL thousand watt in there. Yeah. And then you're gonna, then you're gonna, then you're gonna drill some little teeny holes in some metal and have a beam splitter, you know? Yeah. So, well, I you, know, you I, always push the limit. I recorded a guy the other day, Rob Gibson, an LE, uh, an LD, and, um, he said when he first started, he was trying to make his band look nicer, right? And he, they, him and his buddy broke into this uh, uh, auto wrecker and stole some. He- they, they, all they knew is they saw at concerts, they saw on the stage was these car headlights, and and they were park hands, but they thought they were car headlights, right? So they're like, oh, well, let's just go steal a couple car headlights. <laughs> so they went and stole a few car headlights, and they'd, you know, just wire a lamp cord to the two pins on the back of the headlight, and pop, it'd blow up. And they're like, what the hell? So they'd plug in another one, pop, it'd blow up. And they blew up about four of them like this and went, Jesus, what's going on? So then he got a gig at a theater, and he sees these lights up on stage and he goes to the LD and he goes, how are you making those work? And he goes, what do you mean? And he goes, well, how come they're not blowing up? Cause mine keep blowing up. And he goes, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, I'm taking these headlights and I'm plugging them in and he goes, Oh, they're headlights. Well, they're 12 volt. You got to run them in series. You need to run 10 of them. And he goes, Oh fuck. I got to go steal more car headlights. So he goes and steals 10. <laughs> <laughs> and builds a box around it, and that was his first lighting rig, right? But that's how we did things. I mean, same in the sound business. You needed, well, you needed I, more sound, I, you built bigger boxes, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I used to have to do that with park hands when I didn't have enough dimmers running the series just so I could get enough turned on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so now we had a What's that? The cross rental business. You early on in moving lights, I, I think it was pretty early on, anyways. Not only did you have your local production company and rental company, you know, two things that I what? noticed. One was that you never really got into touring directly, where you were the touring production company, but you did get into touring in that you supported touring production companies. What was that? Was that you know, just something that happened very organically or did you plan that? How did that work out? Because you just, you built an entire business model around being the supplier to touring companies. Yeah. Well, at at the beginning of the company, it was all about, all I did was production Yeah, Uh, and I would do rentals, but all the enjoyment was in doing shows. Right. Let's face it. Like I love doing gigs, love doing it. Yeah. Um, and then over time, uh, you just started doing the math. It was your highest risk in the company. Right. You know, you got to get guys. 
They're throwing slings over I beams, hanging lights over people's heads. They're in a truck, you know, working long hours. You know, I can go on and on and on. Yeah. And then you, then you started competing with guys like you know from down south that would drive up a semi of park hands and do it for like fifteen hundred dollars when you priced out the gig for four thousand. Right. You know, like uh, I can't keep, compete with that, but what the hell is that guy doing that for fifteen hundred? You know, you go like, how? So you, so over time you just saw it was harder to make enough money to not just offset the lack of profit right. that you think is reasonable that you should be making in the most risky side of the business. And then you had all those other variables. Right. Um, I just had to give up. Actually it was, it was really hard to do, even though it made, it was one of the one and only times that I consciously, you know, and, you know, I talked to, I believe I talked with Randy about it, um, about it just made sense to give it a go of just saying like, you know what, why, why even fight in that world? Um, and it's the only area where you can be in this industry and have a reasonable chance at a family life. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's true. Too. Um, yeah. you know, you can go home, um, you're home on the holidays, you know, you got like a kind of a nine to five, but not, you know, yeah. but it was a, it was a reason. So you could hire a different type of person now, um, because of the lack of the demand. Right. Um, Right. That's what, you know, and when I talk about trouble, I did, did one show for, it was like AstraZeneca or something. We did the periodic table and had full reign of everything. They were doing them in small, like office buildings with only like the drop ceiling eight feet high, you know, did the lighting and all that. And it had to travel the country. And I remember Mike Menton calling me up, man. <laughs> it was a cube truck kind of tour. Right. Yeah. And he was in, I think he was like in Los Angeles or something. And then he totally called me. <laughs> I still remember this. I go like, he goes, so I'm not going to name his name because <laughs> he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. He said, I can either kill him or put him in the back of the truck. I'm just <laughs> letting you know, I picked the back of the truck. Oh my God. <laughs> so you're talking about a 14 foot cube truck, yeah. you know, no windows, no air. And you know, then the front cab. He literally put him in the back oh of the my truck God. and drove like, you know, I don't know, 250 miles <laughs> because by the time they finished that tour, they were ready to kill each other. I don't know why or what, you know? Wow. And, and, and I was like, so you're always, you know, you're always getting calls like that. Yeah. You, you know, and they're, they're very hard to resolve. You have to be like kind of a psychologist over the phone at like, you know, 12 a.m., yeah. <laughs> you know, and you just try to like uh, dissolve a situation. Yeah. <laughs> from so, from a distance, you so know. And, today are you completely no production? Just rentals? Uh no no no, yeah. Uh, I mean, technically, yeah, we do not um advertise or do like a like productions in the way that we used to, uh, we got to a point to where, especially when soft LED went out and certain lighting, uh, where people just didn't know the equipment, uh, Giovanni or somebody, we, we would send out a tech that knew the gear while doing rehearsal. 
yeah. uh, for a week or two, uh, get them all trained up on it. This idea, you're comfortable with that. And then might show up for, for the first gig or two. Right. And then you're on your own. Right. Uh, so in a sense that, and it would be like, you know, we've worked on some films, uh, and you'd show up there just to make sure, but and the, more like and a manufacturer would, would sh- support a show, uh, yeah, less, less like a production company. Out this in a rep. Yeah. 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 But a, a little, a little bit between the two. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. Lo- loading up the truck. We got a gig. Hey, we're going to like this thing. I, no, no. And that was really hard because that's where my passion was. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's where, that's where it is. So it was hard to do, but it made, you know, and made, it made well, the most sense. The other thing that's where... that must have been difficult or must be difficult is um, tours are setting the pricing. Do do they control your pricing in a sense? Like, I, and I'm not trying to get you to give away any trade secrets or anything, but like if, if tours are going out and, you know, X light is renting for $200 a week and therefore they can only pay you 170 or 160 or whatever. Um, are you okay with that? Or are you saying no hard, you know, hard line, my price is 225 or are you always working with people on those types of things? Well, well, here's the nice thing. So, um, I'm, I'm very hands-on and very control freak about like, I, I like things done well and professional and I like order and all that. Right. But I also like releasing responsibility to people. I think it, 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 it gives them satisfaction outside of just the monetary part, Yeah, but it gives them uh, the control of being able to make a decision without having to ask somebody yeah. uh, like in a large corporation or something. That's why, um, you know, it could take a long time to re- re- resolve something, you know, Rick, Rick, when he first started being rental manager, Obviously, we had rent a book. We had the post to get off. You'd rent it for one week as a price, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks after that. Let's talk. Right. Um, you know, Rick would always say, like, well, hey, how much uh, did they want to do? You know, and after a while, just like, hey, Rick, you figure it out. You know, you'll you'll know if it makes sense, if it's just stupid out of hand. And I'm not saying that, you know, we try and be consistent with everyone and, and that there's a bottom line. Um, but you're always looking at, all right, what's the situation? At first right. you're like, you're like yeah. Hey, we got a year tour. And all of a sudden you, you know, you, you, you perk up. Oh my God, a, a year tour. And then you hear like, but this 32 week downtime, yeah. you, you know, you're like, all of a sudden, you know, and it's a, so the gears out for, for a year, you're kind of insinuating we're only going to get 32 billable weeks. Yeah. So now let's talk the numbers. You know, so there's so many variables. And, and I don't know who started it with the I do. bears for free. I do. <laughs> oh, I know exactly who it was. Who, who started, I don't know. I don't know if I should that announce that right now. I don't know if I free. spares for free and don't charge for travel time and all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, no, I'm no, on no, your no, side no. when it comes to all of that. Like what. if the lights out get, of my shop, you're paying me. for it. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Yeah, how about this one? <laughs> what? Answer me this one question. I want to know who decided to give rehearsals for free because that's the most wear and tear on your gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> most I, burn time. Yeah, I, you know, so, I I know so exactly couple, where those. Couple that you, you you've got the down weeks because of the travel time. Yeah, that they want, and then you've got 
uh, you've got the spares for free, and then you got the rehearsals up there. So you put it all together. You go like, I think I got three weeks out of this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and I was always you know? on on the side of the the rent. Uh, you know, you basically in that situation, because it's like, if the lights out of my shop, I can't rent it to anyone else. I need to be paid right. for it. So, you know, even if it's a slight discount for off weeks or whatever, but there has to be a payment for the weeks that it's sitting in your trucks yeah. because it's not in well, my shop. I can't rent it. Quantity, so. quantity is um, less of a reason for me to give you a discount that amount of time. And of most course, people always yeah. think like, Hey, I want a hundred of those. I go, do you know, it's harder for me to guarantee you a hundred than if you ask me for 24. Yeah. Because ensuring that I have a hundred, now we have to look at our books. We have to see who, who, who was asking for six. Am I going to disappoint some customers that yeah. I've had for a long time that want three and all that to give you the hundred. Well, the other so thing I a hundred actually cost me more money. A shitty deal at 24 lights is a really bad deal at a hundred. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Yeah. So if it's a shit deal, I'd rather it be a smaller number of fixtures than, you know, yeah. and like I, I remember so many times, but it's the Grammys. You know what? <laughs> For us, it's just another oh, don't, reason don't, that don't even get me started. we're giving like, stuff the away. You are, yeah. The less reason to charge me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. And I guess, you know, who's really notorious for that. It was two things. It was the Super Bowl and yeah. it was the uh, um, Eurovision. You know, oh, your yeah. vision or like scams when it comes to that. They were always like, but everybody's, I think you got about 5,000 lights. Nobody's going to notice anything about who came from what. And if they do, they're going to say like, wow, he's a sucker. We can get something free from him. Well, you and know? they're also not coming to you, Itis, and saying, hey, give me those four-year-old lights. Just give me a really good break on them or give them to me for right. free and I'll give you a yeah. lot of promotion. They're saying, I want the hottest right. thing that just came out at L LDI yesterday. And I want 200 of them, and I want them for free. Yeah. And they only want them for the one time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if it rains, yeah, okay. you know, that's your problem and whatever, right? So, well, they, yeah. Well, hey, this, this is just uh, business people problems, though. This is an interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, it is interesting. Kind of it is interesting. But, you know, the other thing that uh, I've always really admired about you or your company anyways, and I'm assuming you're behind most of it, is the ability to pick winners on product. And so is that is that like some kind of crazy foresight or, or Kreskin vision that you're talking about, or is that just driven by demand? Um, it was uh, 100% never driven by demand because the demand wasn't there yet because they were coming out for the first time. Mm. So you just had, you, you, you could feel the buildup and, and all that. So, uh, in the beginning, it was a little bit easier. It, it was kind of hard not to pick a winner. Yeah. Right. And then you got in a little bit and then you could say yes or no, but, um, look, I, I've always, there's never just one thought until now. <laughs> and yeah. that's why I say business changes. You know, the industry changes. Yeah. So the way you do business is naturally going to evolve over time. In the beginning, I like loyalty both ways. Yeah. Um, even if you're, even if you're a vendor of mine, um, I hold that I'm giving you business just as important as it is that you're getting business from me. And I wouldn't simply just dismiss it from you 
just for the sake of saving five cents or right. I feel like it right. uh, because I know, you know, you're kind of counting on that. And so unless you give me good reason to take that from you uh, to, in a strange way, I feel an obligation. Yeah. You can provide it. You're doing it. Uh, there's no reason for me to, why should I? I just don't think it would be right. So the decision of what kind of equipment um, in that mid range was really the nice part about the business. It, it was relationship building. You know, yeah. you, you had to believe in the people. You had to believe in the company uh, there. And the equipment was like kind of last on the list Yeah, for the reason to buy it yeah. because it was a whole different, you know, there used to be people that would jump off of skyscrapers for high end. That's yeah. what kind of loyalty they had for yeah, it. Yeah. You know, that had nothing to do with the light. It, it was, it was the, you know, it, it was the life. It was the company. It was the people. It was, it was what, what it meant. Uh, well, they them. also happened to have the time, best lights at that time. You know, they, they definitely yeah, did. The IntelliBeam, the, the CyberLight, that was quite a run. does not guarantee a win, buddy. Oh, it definitely best doesn't guarantee it. Otherwise, Clay Packy yeah. would have been the only company out there for the last 40 years or whatever, right? So, uh, yeah. Because they usually so, make the best so Yeah. So it was uh, driven on uh, a lot of that now uh, because um, most of the manufacturers were uh, purchased by, you know, like Phillips and big companies. Yeah. I have no loyalty in the sense of where I'm going to put anything other than the uh, ability to make a profit off of that. Yeah. And the sustainability it's all changed the light now. And, is, and, and does it make a good, you know, monetary, you know, reason for me to make that purchase and well, I'll do it. But the, the guy on the other end of the phone, um, it's not the same. Now there yes. is one company in the industry that, that still has that a little bit. Um, and, um, and, uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, you don't care to tell us which one? Up, I know which one, but you're not going to tell me. No. I mean, I think I know who you're talking about. But um, this is, you know, this COVID-19 is going to shake up a lot uh, yeah. on not just about, you know, lighting companies um, and the peripheral type companies, uh, but the, we're talking the manufacturers and everything oh. too, the mindset with that. And there's... Um, They're yeah, going to have the hardest time. I mean, I, I, I think the rental yeah. businesses are going to snap back pretty quickly. The manufacturers are are going to have a hard time because, you know, none of the big companies are going to have CapEx this year or probably next year. You know, there's no such thing as CapEx in 2021 well, see, for, for PRG. And see, now when you, when you start talking about CapEx, you know, it starts to sound like ROI and that's the yeah. kind of stuff that's sort of like, I don't like that. I don't like that language. That's hate speech. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> hate speech. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my God. That's hate speech. Well, to me, I, that's just too big. Look, I'm still trying to hold on. Yeah. To what little to is your left smallness. In this industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, let's put it this way. Um, is, and I gave this suggestion to the person that I was speaking with yesterday. I said, no, no matter how big you are, you should always think small. Yeah. Um, because I think thinking that way always keeps you connected, um, with your customer. Yeah. It keeps you humble and keeps you focused on what's important. Uh, and that will pay, you know, 
Well, and it's a lot more than just a, a pitch on an ad or, or on a brochure or something, you know, like yeah. I know there's one, there's one really large you, company the, out there that has, you know, sort of a small enough to care yeah. slogan. And you got to be careful well, with those types of things because they do have to be legit. You know, that's, that's the thing. Yes. Like people see through it. it otherwise. Has to be legit. You know, it's like all these yeah. massive companies during COVID, not in our industry, you know, massive companies like, you know, American Express or companies like that, that are coming out and saying, you well, know, we care about our customers, direct TV yeah. and yeah, com- right, right. companies <laughs> like direct TV and AT&T who couldn't give a right. damn yeah. about their customers, you know, <laughs> yeah. and coming out and saying, we care, bullshit, yeah. you care. If you care, tell you what, mm-hmm. cancel my bills, yeah. <laughs> you know, get rid of my yeah. bills if you care. <laughs> show me you care, you know, how are you going to yeah. show? but hey you you know i i can't i can't forget to i can't forget to share this funny story that uh you might not even remember but it was light fair in new york and uh uh this guy named mark etkovich and i don't know if you still know mark etkovich or if you remember him but i had you're probably talking about when me and german um like yes uh, i am um, i am (laughs) so we had this little led booth at light fair and I had this guy named Mark Etkovich, who's a Canadian guy, who who is now actually the Acclaim uh, importer, I think, for Canada. Um, and let's not leave out the golfer. The golfer? What are you talking about? He's a good about? golfer. Oh, yeah. He is a very good Mark golfer. Etkovich. So you do he's remember you do yeah. remember Mark Etkovich. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think Oh, he's, absolutely. How can you forget him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't forget him. He looks like the, the guy from Mad Magazine. What was that guy's name? The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The animated I don't know guy from I, Mad Magazine. I wasn't going to go there. Yeah. No, he looks exactly <laughs> like him, and he knows he does. Yeah, okay. But, okay, uh, okay, that's cool. So, so you, I think you, I don't remember if texting was around yet, but you called me and said, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to do something really stupid, but you don't know me, okay? Pretend you don't know me. Mm-hmm. So you came into yeah, my booth. Mark never met me. Yeah, he didn't know you from friggin' anybody. Yeah, me and, me and Mike Gurman came in your booth. Yeah, and, and you guys were acting like husband and husband when you came in the booth, and uh-huh. you were like, you know, uh-huh. w- I don't remember exactly what you asked for, but you were asking for, like, white <laughs> satin sheets or something in an LED lighting <laughs> booth. And, yeah, uh, and the Mike was, Mike was getting, like, uh, he was really getting out there. Um you and introduced yourself it. as a funny name too, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, "He's going. Can you believe that guy's <laughs> name? Can you believe his name? Like it was like Mike Hunt or something, you know? I don't remember yeah, what but, it was. But but you guys were at dinner at a dinner, yeah. And I wanted I wanted to close it with us accidentally walking in there, and I was going to make a scene, yeah. And Mike had to back out of it, which I'm still, I, I you know, to this day, I yeah. still tell him. How thoroughly disappointed I am! Yeah, you screwed up a me good are the, moment. Are the biggest team with yeah. pranksters uh, on, on earth, and uh, he backed out of that, and it was so set up. I'll tell you that. what, though that that so thing bad. in the booth, I was dying. Like I couldn't even. I don't know how I held it together as long as I did because he's going, can you believe that guy's name? Can you believe what that stupid idiot was asking me for? I mean, Jesus Christ. And I mean, you were way too close to a gay couple. I'll tell you that too. I mean, you, well, you had me fooled yeah. and I know you. <laughs> I was starting to think Do twice. You? I was going, really, Itis? Do like, you know me, myself? Itis, you could have shared this with me. I'm okay with it. It's all right. So, yeah. um, but that, see, but that's what I love. What I like about the industry is you really get to know people long term. Yeah. And a lot of businesses, you know, you don't. I mean, I'm still doing business with people. I've 
I, I, I still have a, an invoice from 1981 for a customer we still have. Jesus. An open invoice? He right. still hasn't paid you? <laughs> no, no. It, it's a, it's, it's, and it actually says Wilmington stage lighting on it, right? Yeah, and yeah. it was for a couple sheets of Roscoe Lux gel. Yeah. And uh, Butch Clark, and he's still a customer. And, and That's probably the last time the you sold like something, Eric, I just... Yeah. <laughs> like Eric Loader's, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Noel, even though, you know, he hasn't called me ever since that moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, yeah. You know, you just, there's so many Richard Bellevue's Craig, uh, Craig Burroughs and yeah. who now you told me, uh, off air, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the, uh, the golfing with you. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, oh yeah, you mentioned my, uh, Tourette's. I right? did. Yes. Uh, did. You thought I was busting on you. Right? I did. Yeah. You were yeah. faking it. Well, yeah. I didn't think I know for a fact <laughs> at this point at that time, I didn't know. Today, I know for sure that you were faking it on me. You know, you were absolutely oh, really? faking it. Oh, hell yes. Really? Hell yes. The timing was too damn was... perfect every time I was in my backswing, my friend. Well, Marcel, then you don't know too much about Tourette's, do you? I don't know anything about Tourette's, but I know a bit about itis. Then how can you make... Because <laughs> I know you. <laughs> That's the only thing uh, I need to know. I, I, I look. I would own up to it, but but it's too complex for you to understand. Yeah. But it just happened to pick on you. Oh, okay. And that's how it works. Yeah. Okay. You must have wiggled your ass a certain way I think when that's you were what like teeing up. It triggered, ah, uh, you know, Christ, the internal mechanism of Tourette's. Yeah. And it just has to go off. Exactly at your backswing, but I didn't know you liked me Craig like Burrows, that. Man. I didn't know you liked yeah. me like that. Yeah, yeah. That's Craig, Craig Burroughs uh, and I were playing golf locally here with actually my neighbor's son. Yeah, uh, who's Dylan, who actually was working uh, down at Showcats for a little while. Right, but he was a lot younger. And um, anybody who plays golf with me, you know, I, I'm a fast golfer. Uh, I, I just like speed, movement, and anything I do. Right. Yeah. Um, and I hate people on the phone on the golf course. Hate them, hate them, hate them. Now, Craig's in the golf cart about 50 yards in front of me to the left. And Dylan is all the way up by the green. And I'm in the fairway chomping at the bit to hit my three wood or five wood, whatever I had in my hand. <laughs> and he's on the phone. And so I'm getting pissed off. They're like, you know what? We're playing golf. He's on the phone looking down. And I said, all right, screw it. I'm hitting it. I hit that ball. And I pulled it so far left. Craig Burroughs should not be with us right now. Oh my I God. And I'm, you know, I'm only, I can only laugh about it because it didn't happen, but I swear to God, a foot to the left and he would not be here. That's oh how hard I hit God. this. It, it broke the plexiglass of the golf cart. It made such a loud noise. It sounded like a bomb. Oh. I looked down the fairway. Dylan's mouth is down to the ground. You know, mouthing, oh, my God, he Jesus. realized what almost happened. Do you know Craig didn't even blink? He stayed so engaged on selling those two controllers. Yeah. He didn't pause. He was closing he a deal. He was, he was closing a deal, and I was like, I want that man working with me. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I'm telling you, he, he did not even stutter. Yeah. And I was like, holy oh, shit, I almost killed you. That's it was hilarious. a bomb. It, you, you could have felt the air from this golf ball move by your head. That's and so you funny. didn't even flinch. Yeah. And I was like, Were you like, oh, but, shit. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah, but I say, like, never, hey, 
do not stand in front of me on the phone on a golf course because yeah. I will take you out. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> hey, I just let me get but, uh, serious for five minutes here. I got to get serious with you. Okay. I got to ask you a few questions oh, now. This is where we have the serious uh, moment in our podcast. Oh. Are you prepared damn. for this? You haven't napped. Well. You haven't had any food. Okay. Well, you know, I snuck the rice pudding. Good for you. No, good no. for you. Good for okay, you. Okay, go ahead. What it's is yours. the best piece of advice you have ever given or received? Don't answer all at once, Itis. Uh, one, um, I hate questions like this, but I'll do my best. Do your best. Best piece of advice I've ever given. <sighs> Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that what you give? That's your staff speech every morning? I've, well, it has a problem. I've given so much advice. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it really... Um, well, the one that actually worked out, that'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean, like, was there a piece of advice that I gave to somebody... And it just fixed their problem to a monumental level and it could be recognizable. Hell no. I don't, it, it's just advice that, you know, it's a seed in the ground that maybe, you know, 20 years later it took effect. Uh, so yeah. I wouldn't even be aware of the good advice that I gave. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if I gave a pass of, piece of bad advice, uh, I'll probably be getting a phone call within like minutes, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, but certainly it would just be, uh, in that realm that we talked about of, of, of be it, be engaged in the moment and your life of where it is and stop thinking about where it was and where it may be. Yeah. Um, it's That's... the only advice that I could ever give anybody in any part of their life. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's very good so, advice. That's very good advice. What about um, have you, the have best you, piece of like, advice that I got? Yeah, I guess it relates to my. Um, I didn't know that I had Tourette's for most of my adolescent life. So when I was in my late teens, I had to live my life, you know, making these noises and do things that I had no idea what it was, yeah. and nobody else did, especially back then. And they still don't. You know, it's a very complicated uh, disorder. Um, but so it wasn't again, diagnosed when you were friend, younger. You oh, just no, had to deal no. with oh, it? Oh, hell no. Oh, wow. I'm about to tell you when it was diagnosed, and not only did the diagnosis, um, a very good piece of advice uh, that I feel is, is that I kind of live by. Yeah. Um, Barry Cohen, again, said, like, hey, Itis, what? He goes, you know that thing you do? Well, what thing? Yeah, you know, what I, that, that they, the things you do. Yeah. Uh, you know what that is? No. It's called Tourette's Disorder. I said, Tourette's, what the hell's that? He said, that's what you got. I said, oh. He said, but let me ask you a question. Is it keeping you from doing anything that you want to do in life? Uh, no. Then forget you even have it. Huh. That's pretty good advice. So basically what he's saying is like, you know, there's drugs for a lot of things and all that. He said, but whatever you have in life, and it could, it could be not just Tourette's, it could be anything. Yeah. Um, 
unless it's keeping you from being, and, and, and that's assuming that you have a recognizable thought in your head of what you want to be when you grow up. Right. And most people don't. Right. Um, so that's why I always say, just follow a positive trail and eventually you will arrive. Uh, but you cannot make it happen. It will happen, but you have to put certain ingredients in place to give yourself the best chance. Yeah. Um, are there a certain percentage of fail even with good procedure like that? Yeah, of course. But what in life doesn't, um, but that was but great advice that he gave like, you. That was great advice that he yeah, gave Yeah, he said, like, unless unless it's keeping you from being able to do something that you just crave, that you have to do, forget you even have it. Yeah. You know, just live your life. Uh, and I said, okay. Fantastic. You know, so I took the advice uh, pretty quickly. But that's how I... Um, but that's how I think I've always lived my life, which I think it's brought, to, brought me to where, where I am. I've really never allowed myself to accept anything as a reason not to. Yeah. Uh, I had PAT when I ran track. Uh, y- you know, I just lived with it until I realized what it was and then I dealt with it because it was keeping me from doing something. Um, I played paintball and I broke my ankle sliding into a hole. I mean, it snapped. Uh, but there were two guys left on the other side. I was the only guy left. I finished out the round. No way. I don't allow myself. Yes, I finished Jesus. out. And I'm not bragging. I took them out. I just don't allow myself. In fact, I think I feed off of it. I don't allow myself to accept any reason not to just do it. Funny. Um, I, have a similar, I, a I have a thing. similar disease myself uh, to where, you know, I don't allow crutches. And I've got some that I could absolutely pull out and use, you know, great excuses. But I, I just don't like them. You know, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I, I don't, we don't need to diagnose my issues right now. Um, yeah. So in our business, one of the really cool things, obviously one of the attractions to our industry is that, uh, we get a lot of these moments where, you know, you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to do this or whatever. So do you, do you have any huge pinch me moments in your career? Like, is there a moment that sticks out where you just were like, wow. Um, not, not one, just every, every one, you know, really? every, every, every moment. And even the, even the tough ones, even the hard, in fact, uh, overcoming the most difficult situation, because when you think about it, the production is simply resolving about a thousand micro problems and a couple big ones. Yeah. Every time. So you're always engaged in problem solving, trying to figure out like, well, I thought those I beams were exposed, but they're flush up against the ceiling and I got slings, you know, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, yeah. I got to hang this stuff. Um, so you are always like, uh, but you told me it was, you know, there's always, you know, so many variables and, yeah. and, I, and I, I, I love those variables. I think it really trains you. Uh, to accept a lot of, you know, nuisances uh, in life, yeah. you know, that would normally, you know, bother the hell out but of there wasn't, people. There wasn't one time when you're standing at front of house next to like Frank Sinatra or something and you're just thinking to yourself, wow, this is cool, you know? Um, None of those? Not, not, not to that level. It was actually before, the only time I truly felt like really, Fun. I met David Bowie, but that was before I got in the business in 78. Oh, really? um, 
Uh, yeah, because um, I knew he was into art, and I brought some of my art pieces to show him. And I was doing the Diamond Dogs um, tour. But I would, that was before I was even in the business. In the business, um, yeah, anytime that I did anything that looked good visually and I knew I did a good quality job, you know, I was pleased with. Um, but there was never just like one. Right. Absolutely. Four yeah, one that moment that I'm going to say, I'm never going to forget this. It was a totality of you know, every, every time something just happened, you know, well, and people, people were pleased with what I did. That's all I needed. So it was just like, you know, I've had bad, you know, clients, you know, that weren't happy people had great, you know, Mike Madden, I didn't get to do it. He said, you Lewis was a great fun guy and meatloaf was a fun guy. But then, you know, I did Roberta Flack and she's throwing tomatoes up against the wall. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I did. Hey, I'll tell you one funny story. James Brown drummer tried to steal my light. What? Yeah. That's what I said. What? Why? Um, well, I, so I did all, all, all the like gospel uh, funk acts that came through Philly for Sergio and concerts for about a year. So every act. So, um, I did that. So I did James Brown a couple times and this one particular time. Um, I mean, you got to remember, I only had so many lights. So yeah. I knew every damn light I had. I knew its condition. I knew everything about it and I knew how many I had. So I finished the show and you know, it's union. I can't touch my stuff. I said, I, I uh, but I'm on stage. I'm watching my stuff get put away. I'm going like, okay, I want to know. I'm going to open up my camera. I'm counting my lights and my cables you know, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to be missing a pipe clamp, a five ten pipe clamp. Okay. Yeah. It was about eight bucks, you know, couldn't afford it. Um, so I needed every single piece of equipment, including the tie line back. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking and I'm missing a three and a half inch ellipsoidal. So I keep counting and the, the, the union steward guy, I just complain. I kept complaining so much. But that, that light was missing and I knew it. And he was trying to convince me it wasn't. I go, I'm missing a light. I want my light. You guys tell me I can't touch anything. I said, well, somebody touched one of my lights and didn't put it in the case. So I want my light. And I complained so much. He goes, storming out stage right, not following. He busts the door open, almost hits James Brown in the head because he was outside talking to another guy. So I walked past James Brown, had to look down on him, the short guy, right? <laughs> we walk into the bus. He pulls out the, the kick um, drum uh, case, opens it up, pulls out the light, goes, here. <laughs> oh, so he and knew he it was in there? Me. Yes, obviously. What the hell? Um, so so uh, all I said was, thank you. That's all I wanted. And I went back in. Wow. You know? But it was always like, you know, so it's always like, you know, who doesn't? Like, yeah. whoever's been in the business has a million stories like yeah. that. You know, a, a million. Uh, yeah. but, but the first, you know, when I, the the important question you should ask me is like from when you decided to like, I learned my craft with the band, but when did you decide to actually start a business as opposed to just doing the band is when we, the last gig I did with them was on a school bus just outside of Washington, D.C. Yeah. We load a school bus, and you know how hard that is. It's high. It's got a little door. Big community, community, Leviathan, uh, you know, fiberglass speakers and lights and everything. Yeah. So it breaks down. It breaks down about 45 minutes out of Washington. So now we're waiting for a rider truck 
now a rider truck shows up, we unload it, we load the rider truck. Now we have to drive to Columbus, Ohio, which coincidentally back then had like the biggest rock stage um, clubs around. They were like, they weren't like like little like eight by tens. They were like, you know, 40 by 50. <laughs> you know, they were just big. Oh yeah, they were all big out that area. So then we drive there in a rider truck or a U-Haul, whatever that had a governor on it. And it's a hilly uh, thing. So it took us forever. We show up late. We're setting up, you know, hours after the band should have started, and it was like a scene out of a movie. They're throwing beer bottles at our heads while we're <laughs> putting up gear and all that. Now, it's a pretty long day by now, right? We load the bus outside of Washington. We break down. We have to unload, reload, drive to Columbus, oh, set God. up. Tear, we have to tear it down. The club owner doesn't pay us. No. <laughs> then, we had then we had to immediately drive to Buffalo, New York, to our next gig. Hope we have a place which we had a motel booked to sleep in. So I don't know how long we've been up uh, at that point. All I remember is the manager for the band carrying my thousand two follow spot as collateral for payment. <laughs> and I was like, why am I here? I hardly have any lights already. You're taking my follow spot. Oh my and uh, there, was a, there was a Moon Age daydream where I, I go down real tight on his hand on the guitar solo. Oh you know? <laughs> I'm God. like, no. So he does that. We go to sleep. Uh, and literally for a whole week, we haven't been paid a dime and we're literally starving. We haven't eaten. So me and Jim, we're walking up and down the street, looking into like little restaurants that might have crackers on the table, you know, <laughs> that they put out the ketchup and salt pepper crackers. And I, I'm not, I'm not making this up. That's how we lived for a week. We oh would sneak God. in, take the crackers and leave. And, but that's okay. You know, that's, yeah. that's what it took. And uh, that was my final moment. I said like, okay, I can't afford, I've learned enough from the band. I appreciate everything they've done, but I can't do this no more. Yeah. And I put a hundred percent in the moment to stay in lane. Well, so I, on to your next deep, I can't, can't. deep uh, serious question. Yeah. So of all the gear you've ever owned, what was your most valuable or valued piece of rental gear? What'd you make the most money off of perhaps? Uh, besides the people that work with me? Yeah, no gear. An item. What yeah. was, like, if you look back at you all the. Stopped, you should have stopped excluding gear and it would have been more interesting because it's always people. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to have to go to such a, you know. Well, I just made that question thing. up because, I, you know, oh, you like for me, up? I don't know if it's the IntelliBeam because a lot of people would say the IntelliBeam. Because remember, that's the old days when you bought a fixture for what, 25, three grand. And rented it for seven or eight years at like a couple hundred bucks a week. You know, now you're paying four times or five times as much for the fixture and not even getting as much for rent for it. And, you know, the IntelliBeam lasted well, how many um, years? So, yeah, well, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you. Okay. Track spot. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you were using those for curtains too, right? You were taking the heads off and using them for oh. curtains. Oh, yeah. We did more than take up. Oh, there's a funny story of how that happened, but we'll get back to the question that you asked me, the track spot. I'll tell you why. Because um, as we know, yes, the IntelliBeam definitely. Most excitement, waiting for it to come out and all that. Yeah. It started with the, you know, the 575 had less problem when they went to the 700 or whatever. Uh, it had the higher problems with the power supply and all that. So went through a lot of 
it, so it was like a fiat car, you know, it, yes, it was, it was hot. You got your money, but, uh, you know, didn't the, come without pain. Car, yeah. It had, it had a lot of pain, but it was exciting. No doubt. No doubt. It was a hot light and a cyber light too. And all that you could have gone to even with that. But, the, but since the, um, the Intellibeam was going to be the first one, yeah. obviously. But the track spot, for what it cost, the ease of use, and how many times we rented them, and I don't know, four or five years later, I can get just as much, and sometimes a little bit more, than it cost me to buy the light in resale value when I sold them used. Yeah. Name me one other light that did that. Yeah. I mean, I was shocked. Like people like for the trash, I said, well, we can get what? 800 bucks for that. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, you know, I've got, I've got some lights, you know, that I've paid 9,000 for that. You got to fight for 1500, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so you're, you're sitting there when I go proportional, the amount of times, the amount it rented for what it costs, the ease of use, the resale value, hands down, I'm going to say the trash spot. Yeah. That's that's amazing. I would have thought the IntelliBeam for sure, but you know well, anything between then and now that that just stands out to you as just like an outrageously successful rental product, you know, in in duration and profitability and like right know, now reliability, whatever it is, some some reason that you're yeah. just like, oh, they don't make them like that now or whatever, you know. Right. Was that a question? Well, I'm just asking you, is there any sort of standout rental products that, you know, you're the cross you mean, rental you mean king. right now? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right now, now, five years ago, you know, between the track spot and now, have there been any standout products from a rental standpoint? Yeah. But now, now we're getting too close to the now and uh, yeah. I, I refuse to answer that question right. uh, by the, uh, by the powers. Uh, yeah. No uh, worries. To me by the, uh, I, know, I know it got a little bit complicated there, that question, but I'm just curious more <laughs> than anything else. I mean, this isn't, these aren't questions I'm writing down or anything. This is just me being curious. Well, it became a very boring time for a while because the industry was simply replacing everything uh, with led version of the yeah. same thing yeah. for a while. And then they finally got around. I'm going like, well, obviously you could do a lot more with a, with the LEDs than you can with a discharge lamp. So why aren't you thinking about that first? But they were more focused on just simply replacing like uh, the par cam with the LED par. And then yeah. you know within within three months we've got the more powerful one, and then three months later the more powerful one. So it was a pain in the ass. I'm going yeah. like, look, guys, you know you could charge me twelve hundred dollars for an LED par cam replacement. But do not obsolete it in three months. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that <laughs> you know, became that, one of the big yeah, problems with yeah. LED, didn't it? Is that it kind of yeah. drove down the length of time to yeah. come up with new products and made it yeah, much yeah, easier. Yeah, because the advancement of that. So yeah. it, once, once you reach it, and, and it was obvious that it was just too soon for the LED to be replacing things for entertainment because they just weren't kick-ass enough. They just yeah. weren't powerful enough. Well, they sure are now. Uh, and, 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 and that CRI wasn't good enough on them. You know, I mean, just things were ugly. You know, you, yeah. you point them at, at a red wall and it's brown. You know, it's like right. there was just so much off about it. You're just not going to, you know, it was just too soon, but they were going like, well, maybe no one will know. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people bit, and I'm going like, no, it's just, it's not ready. Yeah. You know, put the cake back in the oven. Uh, in the meantime, 
but when you reach that, you want to be first, but you know the industry's not there yet. But you, so you want to be first. You don't want to be last. And I go sometimes you don't want to be first. You know. Yeah, well, I agree uh, with you. But they yeah. sort of they 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 started the race a little early um, before the technology really was at the level that was bright enough. Yeah. To to replace. Well, and like you said, now, CRI they, and other things too. Could they have done too. other things with it? Yeah, but they could have done other things with yeah. it outside of trying to replace you know, a moving head. They could have just simply made the products that were relevant that you can do um, with an LED that you couldn't do with something else in the meantime. And then when they get up to the appropriate power, then you can say like, hey, this will save. But eventually, just like the Source 4, you know, they they sold uh, thousands and thousands of those based on just the power savings and the electrical difference um, of most big theaters, right? That's how they went about the presentation was you're going to save this much money because you only need this wattage light bulb. And then what, it took him a couple of years to start saying like, Hey, a bigger light bulb, bigger light bulb. And then it was back to the equivalent of the EHG, EHG, FEL, five, seven, fifty, one thousand. So they did the same thing. They gives your uh, money savings, you know, same with the LEDs, you know, the LEDs are going to be pulling just as much power as, as the discharge lamps. Um, you know, and, and hot and everything and heavy. So yeah. it's going to be right back to where it was yeah. uh, in order to get the power. Uh, but, you know, at least now it's reasonable to where it should be to say like, yeah, this thing's six grand and it does this and like, okay, it's burning up. Yeah. yeah. All right. I got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, I agree. I agree. You know, they, they, they both have pros and cons. Let me ask you, Idis, do you, uh, and I'm, I'm positive. I know the answer, but do you get involved in any kind of charity or coaching or mentoring or, or giving back in some way to the industry? Is there anything that you or me well, like does? Well, like let's put it this way. Whenever we see someone in need and we can help, um, we do in whatever way we can, mm. when we can, whether it's helping in another company, uh, you know, that has a problem, that has a need, uh, that needs to be loaned something as opposed to, have to having to pay for something, you know, we reach out to, uh, you know, our clients and outside of that uh, uh, too. But is there like a, like a signature, like, Place or no. no, I'm just curious um, if you guys have any I, kind of a mentoring program or something where, you know, like some companies have students come in, some companies go out to schools and they're, they're doing like career day things for students or whatever, you know? So yeah. just curious. Uh, yeah. Let's put it this way. Um, I'm still small. Yeah. Yeah. You know, regardless of how long I've been around, I'm still small. Um, just trying to be good at it. Um, and you know, the mentoring has been a lot of different ways, you know, people that are in the industry now, you know, one yeah, of my yeah. first guys uh, working for me, uh, came, came, to you know, main light, uh, when he was like, you know, 13, his father would drive in there. He was so into lighting. Um, so, you know, I saw that passion and stuff, so I'm not going to like, you know, push it away. And now he, he does design work and he's wonderfully happy in the industry and very gifted, yeah. you know, and did this whole transition. So when you say mentoring, sometimes you're mentoring, you don't even know it. No, of course. Um, you're just of simply course. just seeing um, what, what someone's into and, 
you kind of go like, oh, okay, but, um, yeah, but you've no, always been like a generous, like you've always been a generous and giving guy and a, you know, a guy who, you know, gracefully well, like, shares I, his I, time and stuff. So, uh, you know, that's yeah, usually well, enough, I don't right? go out of my way to like try and even think about it or, or post it or, or I just, I just live each day trying to make uh, the best decision and do the best I can for myself or someone else that I can at that moment. Um, yeah. and if tomorrow comes, I'll just, um, repeat, rinse, That's <laughs> wash. Friggin' beautiful. Itis. That is beautiful. <laughs> Itis, I appreciate you doing this, mm-hmm. buddy. It was only half as hard as I expected you'd make it. Well, I have my nice parts. You really do. Kinda. You really do. You're you're soft. You're you're much softer yeah. than I expected. Softer and more caring and kind and you know all those things. Fluffy. <laughs> well, that's because I somehow managed to only have four followers on my uh. social post. But guess what? what? One, one thing I'm a firm believer in: no matter how many you know uh, ones and zeros uh, you have in your computer, it doesn't. Um, way too legitimate, legitimate X's and O's. There you have it. A note of brilliance to end the podcast with Itis. Yes. So don't worry about how many. Thank you. Itis. It's time for your nap, buddy. Okay. okay. Thank right. you very much. Thank you, my friend. Have a good day. You too. Sweet, sweet thing. You never bite, but you always sting. You're my sweet, sweet.